Talks, a chat with Finance Malta, is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa McDonald. Welcome. So here we are at the Go headquarters talking to Brian Zarbadami. Brian, why are we in the Go headquarters? Can you explain to me what the link is between CyberSift and Go? Yes, quite quite easy to understand now. In March this year, Go became the the majority shareholder of CyberSift. So of course we're collaborating on a lot of avenues, and now we we consider ourselves part and parcel of of Go's um, group. You've actually been around for a lot longer than that. CyberSift was actually set up in 2017. Mm. So perhaps you could explain to me, so much has changed, hasn't it, between 2017 and now? Yes. Initially, well, well we, we, we got this idea for information security from... Um, we being you and David Vassal. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. My, my co-founder got this idea from a previous company where we used to make software for healthcare, for hospitals. We were the only or one of the very few um, companies allowed to connect directly to the UK health network, the, the NHS, and we had a permanent connection to this to, to all the hospitals basically that we served. However, could you possibly have any information which is more crucial to than, protect? Of course, <laughs> than, than, than yes. record. And they had mandated that we had a security operations centre way back in 2014. Of course, we had to kind of invent the wheel ourselves for Malta, you know, so there wasn't um, a guidebook that you can go and get and, you know, say, okay, I have a security operations. Although there were, you know, the beginnings of, and um, we, once we had this set up, you start to realize what is going on, both in your network and on this wide area network that usually just passes by. You wouldn't realize that from the millions and millions of events that happen every month on a network, that a couple of those events mean that somebody is you know, poking at your network from the outside, trying to see if your defenses are weak enough for them to, to maybe leverage something. So that was the beginning. And we thought that if that company needed security monitoring, potentially others would too. I suppose it's just one of those things that the more uh, data we have, online and in the cloud and so on, then the more people are going to, the more criminals are going to, you know, be attracted to try and hack it. Nowadays, it's all about digital trust. Um, and, and it's very odd, you know, even if you go on social media, if you see a, a picture of somebody you know, and you receive a message from somebody you think is familiar, you don't really question who's on the other side, you know. So we really started to trust these boxes that, that we carry even in our in our pockets nowadays, you know. So, where before it sounded like science fiction when we started, now it's it's very factual. So, explain to me a little bit about what, what CyberSift does, because you've got particular areas yes. of, of expertise now. Well, we, we started in, in, the, in the, what we call the vigilance space, the monitoring space, where we, we help companies um, look at their IT infrastructure, where we also include the people in that IT infrastructure because they're generally the weakest link in the chain. And we help them harden and strengthen that IT infrastructure. So <coughs> we've developed products throughout the years. We, we have four main, four main pillars now, um, where we ingest um, system data 
we look for anomalies in that system data. Automatically, we we do threat hunting on, on, on the data we receive to highlight any potential threats that the, the, the company in question might be experiencing. Is this like a one-off event? I mean, is it like a, an order that you go in, do it, you give them the report, and then that's it, you can go home again? No, in fact, that is one of the things that a lot of companies misunderstand. You know, they think they can commission an auditor to come in and do a, an assessment of a week, two or three or whatever, and they think that for the rest of the year they're fine. It's actually ongoing. It should be ongoing. And you realize that a network, <coughs> the company is so dynamic that the monitoring has to has to be in line with 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 the company's um, ongoing business. You know, it's not a matter of doing, you know, a spot check here and there. Of course, the spot checks are good because if you don't have your your house in order, you tend to, you know, ramp up and, and fix. But um, you know, you 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 never know when where from where the next attack is coming, and it could be an internal malicious person who is disgruntled, who is leaving the company or something like that. Or else it can be, um, you know, somebody external. Now it can be an amateur or they can be skilled professionals. You never know. One of the things which is always interesting is that people tend to sort of look at these kind of things as being a cost. But I think we've seen from media reports over the last few few years, there is a tremendous uh, risk involved for companies if they are in any way hacked, if their systems do have flaws now. Yeah. I'll give you a couple of examples. Of course, there's a very famous one from Malta where a few million euros left the doors of a bank, you know. But not going too far away, <coughs> as, as, as close as a few months ago, we were called to do an incident response by a company. This company is, was just 10 people. Um, they actually deal in, in luxury items or luxury vehicles and, and so on. And these 10, ten people <coughs> had, a, had a tidy turnover of 40 million a year. The CEO receives two invoices to the tune of a lot of money, I, I'll tell you anyway. And I get a call one Saturday afternoon um, asking me to, to go over to help. And you know, Saturday afternoon I was off work and all, and I, but what are we talking about here? Did you send 10,000 euros? Or the, no, no, much more. Did you send 50,000 euros? No, no, no more. Was it half a million? He told me way more than that. I told him, okay, then I'll come. It turns, <laughs> Good out, it yeah. turns out that um, this gentleman received two performer invoices, which looked legitimate. The only difference was the IBAN number. The bank name was the same, but in a different country. One was it there. It was meant to be in Italy. It turned out to be Bucharest, and he sent three point three million to the wrong place. And when I actually went over, the managing director wasn't present. He was actually in hospital with a breakdown, and his his co co director, I don't know. Well, he's 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 ill. He's in, and we're trying to recover the money. Of course, no cyber security can get you the money back. Um, but training and hardening and that kind of thing. It was an easy fix in this case. They didn't have multi-factor and on on their email where you have a username, a password and something else. Um, this hacker sent them a phishing email and had been monitoring the, the, two, the two and fro between them and their suppliers for a few months. 
finally they got the, the right occasion when these, these big invoices came in, which they were expecting, mind you, and within three minutes they got into those emails, changed them, and supplied them with legitimate looking emails, just um, invoices, but the wrong bank coordinates. How on earth do you keep one step ahead of all of these? Because, uh, as you're saying, I mean, the, the, the things people come up with to try and scam is just extraordinary. Well, in this particular case, uh, there was an element of, of, of lack of, of procedure, right? So I, I don't think anyone would send over 3 million euros without having a second pair of eyes looking at it. Of course, Multifactor was another one. <laughs> and had they had security monitoring, they would have known that their emails were being accessed from Malta, but at the same time from Romania. That would be a red flag, you know? How can the same user be in two countries at the same time? The algorithms in our case would say, listen, this is an impossible travel, it would say. And you'd look at it and say, oh, what's going on here? Obviously then the client would be contacted and say, do you have anyone working on your email in Romania? Oh, they would say no, change the password, multi-factor, and you're done. But you can't, if you can't see it, you can't protect against it. You know? We've talked about <laughs> preventing. We very often talk when we're talking about cybersecurity about preventing. But is there a, any correlation between how long it takes to recover um, when we're talking about recovery or resilience yeah. um, rather than just the actual prevention? Uh, so ideally, you, you would prevent. So <clears throat> in cybersecurity, there is this concept of attack surface <clears throat> and the smaller your attack surface means the less you, you allow entry points into your network, into your people, into your systems and so on, the harder it is for, for an attacker. Um, when it comes to, to recuperating from, from a breach, IBM recently produced some statistics and retained financial services. <coughs> it takes three months to detect a breach and three months to, to clean up after that breach. So potentially you have six months of, of quite a bad time, you know, so ideally your, your systems are resilient enough not, not to allow that in the first place. You mentioned financial services specifically because obviously your clients go well beyond the financial services sector. Um, I understand that the MFSA already actually issued guidelines, yes. um, something which has been done you know, at the behest of the European Central Bank across uh, across the Eurozone. Um, however, these are our guidelines. Um, what has been the impact? Because everybody's complaining about regulation. I'm sure yes. going through these 90 pages of regulations and guidelines um, didn't actually help. There, first of all, there are more. So what, what the local authorities have done is they have, excuse me, tried to transpose or adopt <coughs> the guidelines to be in line with Europe. Then there are security standards like ISO 27001 and PCI DSS and so on, where um, you know everybody tries to adhere to those depending on the type of financial service you want to you want to offer. And um, companies generally take it as, as a, I have to do this in order to keep my license, my, my, um, my, my offering. Or I sense an element of reluctance, yes. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it generally is, in fact, it, 
if, if you have to talk from a business development point of view, it's far easier to sell to somebody who has to do something rather than somebody who realizes that they need it. Um, and and it's, it's generally that, that case, you know, where they, they are going to onboard a customer or they, they are going to apply for a, a, a new stream of revenue or something and they come, they're, they're faced with a requirement. However, I would say that our success rate after we do our, what we call a proof of value or a proof of concept is over 85% because then when, when, once you show a customer the vulnerabilities, um, you know, the attacks that are ongoing and, and so on, all of a sudden then, you know, the, the mood changes and they realize, they realize the value. And over here you're, you're not only talking about fines and, and losing your license, but it's reputation. Uh, we've already mentioned that it can actually have a, a financial impact, you know, and the, the financial impact, i.e. literally theft of, of funds can run into the, the thousands, if not the millions. Um, not to mention data protection. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the breaches. I mean, we were talking about fines. Exactly. You, you, you know, there was an article last year where a company was commissioned to, to look at the whole Maltese population, for example, and give an opinion about political orientation and all that. That company, due to misconfiguration of the systems, got a, a fine of over 65,000 euros, right? And I don't even think they exist anymore today. So. And, and that was, again, a, a human operator who um, left the database open to the internet. So. Gosh. Okay. So I'm really quite uh, impressed by the, the figure you just gave of, of three months of um, identifying the breach and three months to clean up. Yeah. One of the reasons that the uh, European Banking Authority is introduced and the whole of the Eurozone and so on is now looking at DORA, the Digital Operational Resilience Act, is for this very reason. Because clearly, as you said, people will do things if they have to do them, not necessarily because they, they would seek to do it. However, the clock has started ticking and people yes. actually need to make certain changes um, in terms of uh, penetration testing and uh, threat identification, etc. What is what is your role going to be in Dora? Do you think that people are prepared enough, or is everyone no. going to leave it to the last minute? Well, they can't leave it to the last minute because it's vast, and unfortunately for everybody, regulation isn't isn't completely out yet. There's more coming out as as late as July next year. The reason for it is understandable because most financial services are now you know, digitalizing and the, the medium nowadays became our mobile phone and our computer rather than walking into a bank and speaking to a human being, so, so it's all online. And if you, if you look at the, the way financial services are constructed nowadays, it's a bunch of services, even from tech parties, that are being strung together to offer a service. So you want to be onboarded. There's a third party doing your AML, KYC, and then you become a, a customer and, and possibly your, your credit card or debit card is being produced by somebody else on a different platform. And then you have a payment account with, with this company and in reality this company is buying the, 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 the banking platform from someone else and to you it looks very seamless, it's one app and all. But in reality, it's, it's, it's a lot of third-party providers, you know, working 
in concert to them to, 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 to look as though they're, they're a single entity. Now, imagine those systems go down, and, and we've had scares already, even as, as late as last year, where some of these dead parties go down, and all of a sudden the whole, the whole banking platform starts to, starts to fail. I, I think the concept of Dora, you know, to protect the man in the street and make sure we have a resilient financial service is, is, is a good idea. But I don't think that companies have enough time to implement everything they are talking about. For example, one of the things is threat-led penetration testing. That is an exercise that is, will easily take three months. Um, because the, the way it works is you're meant to have a team that is profiling the company, profiling its employees and all. And then with that intelligence, um, providing it to the actual penetration testers, you know, who will then leverage the, or exploit these things that... And the, I, I'm sure I'm right in saying that there are not many people who have the expertise to carry out this testing. Many. There aren't many. Um, like everything else, you, you will now start getting companies w w with lack of experience trying to offer the service, you know, because it's... They, are, they would understand that there's possibly a new market coming along. So I think the, the, the companies looking to buy in these services need to be careful who they work with, you know, because... And also not leave it to the end when the companies they want to work with would already be yeah, completely, yeah. Uh, you know, taken up there, with, with other contracts. There are companies right now that I am familiar with who are doing gap analysis and saying, you know, they need to be far up to be in line and, and so on. And... 17 January 2025 isn't far away, so... Yeah. So basically, I think what you're saying is your advice to anyone would be think about it now rather than yes. later. This is it. Y2K all over again. Well, I mean, we're all very happy saying, oh, nothing really went wrong. Yeah. But it's only because everyone actually woke up and started doing something about it yes. um, years in advance. So it's pretty much the same, isn't it? It's the same with a twist. I know companies who have implemented tools from us and other people and realize they had people already in their networks. So they have been hacked already. And you know, the system would say connection to X country and they're going, what? We have no business in that country. What are these connections going and coming? You know, and they realize they've, they've, they've been breached already. Okay, that's pretty scary stuff. Brian, um, you've certainly left us with an awful lot to think about. Thank you very much for this opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's all for today. Subscribe now to the FinTalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.